to a very important and sacred moment in the service where we're going to listen uh, with our spiritual ear. We're going to raise our spiritual antennas. We're going to listen carefully and see if God has a word for us today. I'm sure he does. Lift your hands in the presence of the Lord. I want to pray with, I want to pray with us for just a moment. Hallelujah. So, Father, we are in your awesome presence, our hands lifted our, as a symbol of our uplifted heart and our uplifted uh, attention. Lord, we are directing our attention towards you because more than anything else, we need to hear from you. We need a word from the Lord to remove all of our doubts and cause the sun to shine again and give us real peace of mind again. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that this will be a defining moment in our journey, in our story, and that it will redound to your glory. I pray that the miraculous, the unction of the Holy Spirit of God, the supernatural, will bear witness to the word of God and bring confirmation into somebody's soul. I pray that the entrance of your word will bring light to our mind and illuminate our understanding. I pray, God, that we will see more clearly than ever before and see what we could not see before. And as we walk in that light, may we have fellowship one with another. Precious Jesus, let the truth liberate us from every yoke of bondage, every form of captivity, every chain that binds, every fetter, everything the devil meant to constrict and to constrain us. May we be liberated from it today by the word of the living God. May the truth of God become our liberty and our freedom. And Father, we are consecrating this moment. We are consecrating this place. We are consecrating this season unto your glory and unto your name. We declare that you are reigning and ruling in this atmosphere. There is no room for the demonic. There is no room for the devil. There is no room for, for wicked spirits. There is no room for any negative agenda. There is no room for doubt. There's no room for unbelief because you are reigning in this moment. You are ruling over this moment, and we are surrendering to your rule and to your reign in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We have prayed, and all the saints that love Jesus said amen and amen. Amen. So before we go to the word of the Lord, tomorrow is, uh, is a historic day in uh, our story as a church. One of our dear mothers, one of our beloved church mothers who has been a part of our lives for over 30 years in the, in the ministry, certainly a part of my life for over 30 years. Uh, she has transitioned and gone home to glory. And tomorrow it is our privilege to uh, give her uh, the send off uh, of which she is most worthy. We're going to honor her memory, celebrate her life, celebrate her legacy, and we're going to support her family. And this will take place tomorrow morning um, at the Ark Church uh, for the homegoing service of Mother Anne Mead. And how many of you uh, thank God for her life and had some experience with her? Amen. We praise God for her life. Uh, so in all of our media, in all of our um, 
emails, WhatsApp groups, whatever, the details are there. And if you're not getting any emails from us, if you're not getting any messages from us, if you're not part of any WhatsApp groups, make it your business to join, to sign up to something, and to stay with something, okay? I realize that it's easy to opt out of a mailing list when the mails start to irritate you, okay? But just stick with us. Keep ICC in, in your, because the one day that you need to know something uh, is the day that you might just opt out of the list. And so to God be the glory. Amen. Amen and amen. How many of you are hungry for a word today? Are you hungry though, really? Like you have a spiritual appetite. All right, because there's a heavy revy coming to the house today. And we're going to speak into our collective consciousness and destiny today and take forward something that we started just a few weeks ago. And so I want you to go with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 16 and we'll begin reading from the 15th verse. Those of you that were here last week are going to feel like, this is deja vu. I'm sure we read from that last week. Yes, we did. <laughs> and we're going right back into that passage because we really didn't get too far with it last week. 1 Corinthians 16, verses 15 through 18. Uh, which translation do we have on the screen? King James. Okay, good. Good. So I'm going to ask you all to do the reading. <laughs> okay? You all do the reading because if I read it will confuse you all. Okay? So I want you all to do the reading. And let's go. One, two, three. I. You know, the house of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints, that ye unto such and to everyone that helpeth with us and laboreth. I am glad of the coming of Stephanus. And do you all stop reading for some reason? Is this, is this too difficult? Fortunatus and Acacius. <laughs> for that which was lacking on your part, they have supplied. For they have refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore acknowledge ye them that are such. Acknowledge them that are such. Acknowledge people like that recognize people like that. People like what? People like Stephanus and his household who had addicted themselves to the ministry, addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. So I'm going to continue what we start, started last week, but I'm going to, I'm going to uh, entitle this, Yes, I'm Addicted. Okay? Yes, I'm Addicted. Yes, I'm addicted. I'm throwing up my hand. Yep. I'm addicted. This is my confession today. I have an addiction. I want to talk about that addiction. I want you I want you to notice in our reading that the house of Stephanus had addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. All right, pray with me one more time. Father, in that glorious and victorious name above every other name we invite your Holy Spirit to reign on us now, to rule in us now, to speak to us now, 
to transform us by the word, to cleanse us by the word, empower us, energize us, elevate us, enlighten us by the word. Be glorified, magnified, exalted. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen and amen. So if I were able to give you a key this morning, a key this morning, a key to happiness, a key to your next promotion, a key to prosperity, and a key to greatness. How many of you would be delighted if I could give you that key today? Now, here's what unbelief sounds like. Sounds like, eh? Here we go. So, I want those that have faith to let all the unbelief in the room know what faith sounds like. I'm going to try it again. If I could give you a key to happiness, to your next promotion, to prosperity and to greatness, how many of you would be delighted today? Come on now. It's what faith sounds like. You see, if I could do that, you would be ecstatic because who doesn't want more happiness? Who doesn't want the next promotion? Who doesn't want more prosperity? Who has not entertained ideas of greatness? And yet such a key exists in the word of God. Such a key exists in the kingdom of God. Such a key is within our reach. That key is called ministry. Woo! That's right. That's what confusion sounds like. <laughs> ministry is the biblical key to happiness. Like... The scientists are now discovering that in terms of the chemical endorphins that give you a sense of fulfillment, happiness, and well-being, they have discovered that these are released in abundance as you give more so than when you receive. Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Well, what does he mean? Those of you that have given of yourself to a cause or to people that you care about have experienced a happiness that getting things can't quite compete with it. 
getting definitely stimulates a sense of happiness and achievement. But giving is ultimately what leads to fulfillment. And there is a big difference between achievement and fulfillment. You can achieve a whole lot in life and die very empty and miserable, sad, but not with giving. With giving, there is always fullness. There is always a sense of happiness. And so giving, giving, which is another word for ministry. I'm going to define ministry in just a moment. And yes, I'm going to go deep and I'm just easing in. Giving is the key to happiness. Ministry is the key to happiness. Ministry is the key to your next promotion. Woo. Oh, yes, it is. Both on a spiritual level, on a practical level, on a professional level, you only ever graduate after you have passed your test. Jesus said it this way, if you're faithful with the little, you qualify for more. No point asking God for more if you've done nothing with what you've got. Hello? Is it surprising to me how people are looking for so much more, but haven't recognized the potential of the little thing that's in their hands? Little things are the keys to big things in the kingdom of God. If you ask God for something big, he's going to give you something little. And how you manage the little that you have is going to determine how much more you can handle. You ask God for big things, he's not going to give you a big thing, he's going to give you a little thing. Really, really deep. Uh, because that little thing is the key to the big thing. So, uh, this is true on so many levels. And let me address our entrepreneurs in the house. How many entrepreneurs do we have in the house? Yes, four of you. Now, let me address the entrepreneurs that are in the house. And so, All right, another two or three. So, let me address the entrepreneurs that are in the house. And, and let you know, let you know that you are simply not qualified for big business until you have maximized the potential of a small business. That when you ask God for more, he's going to give you a little because in the little you will have all of the lessons needed for the, for the lot. It is delusion, it is a delusion to think that if I get the money, the investment that I'm looking for, I can take this business to another level. No, you're going to do with the lot of money exactly what you're currently doing with the little money, and you're going to get a similar outcome. So what you have to do is seize little opportunities to practice entrepreneurship, even down to a pound. Sometimes you need to challenge yourself and say, can I turn this pound into ten? Oh, help me now. Because in so doing, you are learning keys, principles, strategies that are going to work when it's not a pound, but it's 10,000, it's 100,000. You've now got the, the, the wisdom for realizing a return on an investment. And so your ministry, the way that you minister, and I'm going to give you a... a, a a different word for ministry, service. Everybody say service. 
The way that you serve is going to determine your next promotion. And if you can serve well at this level, God will deem you worthy of the next level. But if all you do is complain on this level, God knows you're going to complain on the next level. That's right. If you undervalue what you have, you cannot have any more. This is like a, a spiritual mystery and, and, and a kingdom secret. It goes like this. Whoever has shall be given more. And whoever has not will lose what he has. That's a mystery. Because if he doesn't have, then how does he lose? Right? He that has not will be taken away that that he has. Well, I didn't think he had anything. He doesn't have anything. He has not. Well, the meaning is very simple. That if you call your nothing something, mm -hmm, you will get more things because you have called what others thought of as nothing, something. You get more. So to him that has, more will be given. But if you call your something nothing, you will lose the very thing that you have. So never entertain the language of I'm down to nothing. Never entertain the idea that you've been abandoned and left without something. You always have a seed. You always have an opportunity. You always have a skill set. You always have a relationship. Look around you, conduct a personal audit, and decide, I have something. And when you start to say, I have something, you, you stop thinking, poor me. You start thinking, rich me. I'm rich because I've got a skill set. I've got a tool. I've got some friends. I've got an opportunity. And you start thinking in terms of what you have. Out of that abundance mentality, new ideas will, will, will drop into your life. New opportunities will appear. And you will go from what other people call nothing to something because you recognize the value of the little that you had. Can I hear an amen? Ministry is the key to your next promotion. And it's the key to your prosperity. Now we know this, that service ultimately is what's going to determine your success in business and financially. Ultimately, it is service. Somebody said, no, Bishop, I specialize in products. Well, what you're going to find is that people only ever buy your product because of the service that comes with it. That's the day in which we live. You can't just say, forget me, buy this. No, 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 I'm buying this and you. <laughs> Hello, somebody. We know for a fact that service is the key to prosperity. I'll give you a quick biblical example and tell you that Joseph was in prison and had every reason to be bitter with God and his family. But instead, he used his gift to serve another person. Come on now. 
all for God's glory, used his gift to serve another person, and in servicing another person, the Pharaoh's butler, interpreting his dream, giving him hope for the future. Well, the future remembered Joseph, and this was the key to his audience with the king, which was the key to his promotion, which was the key to his prosperity. It all started when in a prison, a dry place, a lonely place, a painful place, he said, I have a gift. And I have an opportunity to use it to help someone else. So that's what I'm going to do. When you use your gift in service of others to God's glory, that is ministry, my friend. And that is the key to your next promotion and to your prosperity. See, if you hold back because of the environment, well, the future won't remember you. The future forgets you. I'm going to give you a classic example, right? If you are a singer and you have an opportunity to sing before five, I plead with you to put as much effort, preparation, and energy into that opportunity as you would 5,000. Why? Because in the five is one that is the key to the 500. In the 500 is someone who is the key to the 5,000. If you wait until a stage presents itself to you before you perform at your maximum capacity, you will be waiting for the rest of your life. You need to preach your best sermons in little places. Sing your best songs in little places. You need to deliver your best performance in better places. If you're going to be a steward in the house of God, steward like the queen is showing up today. It's important that you do it on whatever level you are because it's there you get noticed, and that's when the future remembers your contribution and invites you into the arena of greatness. Did you know that it is your gift that makes room for you and brings you into the arena of greatness? No one accesses the arena of greatness that doesn't value their gift and use their gift at any given opportunity to service others, whether they are small or great. Woo! That's right. Someone say, well, I'm going to give my best when great people are around. But no, no, no. You have to see greatness in everyone around you. Jesus said, as much as you've done it to one of these, the least of my brethren, you've done it to me. So he's taking note on how you treat no-name people. How you behave around people that you can't see how big they're going to be. But you might just be sitting next to the next mayor. You might just be right now. You might be sitting next to a future multi-millionaire right now. Now, you missed your moment right there. You needed to look around at someone and say, yeah, that's me. You're sitting next to me. You don't know who you're sitting next to. And be careful how you treat people on your way up. Mm, that's right. Because, see, climbing up doesn't mean stepping on people's heads. If you step on people's heads in a pursuit uh, to get up, how do you think they're going to feel about you when you slip? You think they're going to have compassion? No, 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 no. They're going to celebrate your demise. I didn't say it was a good thing. I just said this was going to happen. 
See, God is always looking at how you deal with little things. Like people want to fix the world and can't tidy their bedroom. It's just—it's fascinating, isn't it? Come on now. You want to fix the world and can't get up on time. You're just talking. And you're going to be talking for the rest of your life. Because there's no graduation, there's no promotion for people who don't master little things. So if all you did was say, I'm going to master ministry on the level where I am, and I'm going to be so excellent, I'm going to be so professional, I'm going to be so phenomenal and so awesome in this space, I guarantee you it will act like a key that produces more happiness for you, it produces your next promotion, it produces prosperity, and of course it is the key to greatness. Jesus said it explicitly, whoever wants to be great among you, let him be your minister. That's what he said. Whoever wants to be great among you, let him be your servant. In other words, uh, greatness in the kingdom of God is linked to the quality of your service. You are no greater than your ability to serve. And see, when Jesus said that, he was responding to a popular worldview. The popular worldview was that the greater you are is the more people you have serving you. Jesus said, no, 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 no. In this kingdom, the, great, the more people you serve is the greater you are. You don't get great in this kingdom by people serving you. You get great in the kingdom by serving people. Woo. That's how you get great in the kingdom. And there's no greatness outside of service in the kingdom of God. So I, I go back to my first question. If I could give you a key to happiness, a key to your next promotion, a key to prosperity, and a key to greatness, would you be excited about it? All right. So God has given us a key, and it is called ministry. Now, let me define it very clearly. Ministry is using your gift to serve others for God's glory. I'm going to say it one more time. It is using your gift to serve others for God's glory. I'm going to say it another time. It's using your gift to serve others for God's glory. That's what ministry is. And if you're using your gift, whenever you're using your gifts to serve other people for God's glory, you are actually and factually, fully and functionally engaged in ministry. Now, whether that is cleaning, it is from God's perspective, this is ministry. Lifting boxes into the auditorium from God's perspective, that is ministry. Because you're using the gift of your strength in the service of others for the glory of God, that is ministry. And it's very important that we don't define ministry or confine ministry to the functions of a clergyman. Because years and years ago, it's a clergyman that's the minister. He's the minister. He's in ministry. Preaching is ministry. Teaching is ministry. Leading worship is ministry. Teaching Sunday school is ministry. But making a cup of tea, that's just making a cup of tea. But see, by making a cup of tea, you are enabling other things to function. you got to realize that the, the body of Christ is like a car engine. It's a system in which every component is serving a purpose, assisting the 
performance of other components and if you strip the component out, those that we think of as the big pieces will collapse because a small piece is missing. In a system, there are interdependent components. If you damage one piece, you affect the performance of the whole engine. Such is the body of Christ, that every tiny piece is serving a purpose enabling the performance of other components. That's a modern uh, analogy. The biblical analogy is a human body. Hello? Yeah, a human body. Interesting, isn't it? How many members there are in the human body? How many parts there are to the human body? And how many parts we take for granted? Isn't that right? I think I shared with you the story one time how I was riding a horse. Let me tell you that story before. Some of you are new, you've not heard the story. Bishop was riding a horse. And we were in a trail. And I started to get the hang of it. Oh, I like this. This is cool. Yay. This is really good. And the instructor said, right, we're going to gallop now. I said, okay, let's gallop. We start galloping. Oh, you know, it's, it's quite a thing, right? We're galloping. I'm holding on, trying to look cool, because that's another problem that we have. Trying to look cool while we're doing dangerous stuff. I'm trying to look cool with the gallop. And all of a sudden, I don't know what possessed me. I said, yeehaw! I didn't even say it that loud. But the man at the front, he heard it. He went, oh, yeehaw, all right, let's go, let's go! Yeehaw! Horses took off. The bridle has fallen out of my hand, and I'm grabbing on to the saddle for my life. The horse is just running, following the other horses. Every tree branch is lashing me in the face. Time the horses stopped, I got off the horse. I said, okay, I understand this is not my calling. But right here, the skin was completely removed. Right here. And I wouldn't think for one minute that that was a really important part of my life. Okay? Just thought, no problem, put some ointment on it, let it, let it you know, it's just let it, it, it will heal. Till I went to church that night. I went to church that night. And as soon as I walked in the church... I said, blessings, praise the Lord, brother. Look at that. <laughs> Went to shake someone's hand. And as soon as their hand touched my hand, ah! I realized this little piece of my body that I had overlooked undermined was a critical piece in my day-to-day -day functionality. I couldn't shake anyone's hand. Well, such is the body of Christ. And can I tell you another thing about uh, the members in the body? Your vital organs are all hidden. Woo! That's right. So that if you had to choose between a hand and a lung, you'd rather lose the hand and keep the lung.
You've never seen your vital organs, is that correct? You've never seen your lungs, you've never seen your kidneys, you've never seen your liver, you've never seen your heart. And if you have, hopefully it was an MRI or something like that. But you don't want to be looking at, a, at an internal organ. But you rely on them for functionality. So it is in the body of Christ. Not, it is not what makes a church a church is not the visible features and functions that you see. If you think that church is what I am doing right here, let me assure you it is 2% of what makes a church a church. It's visible, yes, but it is the invisible operation that happens behind the scenes that actually makes the church a functioning body of Christ. Can I hear an amen? And so whether you get up and pray on the prayer line, that is ministry, a necessary function, a necessary component. If, if it is an administrative piece, if it is a ministry of helps, if it is simply going online and giving your offering, you say, well, what's my offering? I've only got five pounds. I'm going to give five pounds, but that's all I've got. It doesn't really matter. It all matters because this is a functioning, interconnected, interrelated unit. And that, my friends, is ministry. All right. I best go there now. Are you ready? Have you ever heard about the fivefold ministry? Have you heard about that? Right. If I ask you what was the fivefold ministry, you tell me it's apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. These are the five governmental ministries, leadership ministries that are identified in the book of Ephesians, chapter number four. But I want to uh, say to you that a lot of people, when they hear fivefold ministry, immediately exclude themselves from the conversation. And their mindset is, well, you know, that's about you, Bishop. That's about you guys that handle the word. That's about you preachers. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to introduce to you the fivefold ministry of the saints. That's right. And I want to tell you that every single one of you has a fivefold ministry. I want you to look over at your neighbor, say, neighbor, you have a fivefold ministry. Oh, yes, you do. The fivefold ministry of the saints, the fivefold ministry of every believer, every believer, every believer, every believer is called to a fivefold ministry. Every one of you. And if you can practice your fivefold ministry, I guarantee it will produce more happiness, it will produce more promotion, it will produce more prosperity, and it will manifest more greatness. Your five-fold ministry. Why am I even preaching about ministry? Very, very simple. This is the birth of a movement, and nothing becomes a movement till the members become ministers and missionaries and get addicted to a certain buzz that I'm going to preach about at the end. There's a buzz that I'm addicted to. There's a high, and I, I was addicted to it before they called me bishop, and before they called me pastor, and before they called me elder, and before they called me minister, and when they called me stuff that I didn't even agree with I was addicted to this buzz this feeling I'm gonna try and give you all a fix today get you addicted to it too because things don't move until there are ministry addicts in the room oh help me now I don't know why I need to say this this week 
I attended the funeral service of a friend of mine. We kind of grew up in the church together. We were kids in church. We were just, I say kids, we were in our teens. In church, together. He was in a different church. I was in a different church. But we'd meet at conventions. And I would pop off to his church. He would pop off to mine. And we were close. You know what made us close? We were fanatics. We were absolute, we were absolute addicts. And here's how it simply worked. No one told us about pre-service prayer. We just planned to get to church an hour before the service, find a room, find a corner, and start stoking the fires for a powerful meeting. And we'd be in a prayer room praying. And before you know it, 20, 30, 40 people were coming to church for pre-service prayer. No title, no script, no job description, just can I get here early. Fine. Then at the funeral, I begin to meet people that I hadn't seen for years. People that told me, you led me to the Lord. What? When did I lead you to the Lord? It was at that meeting that I, I remember now. Because there's another thing I used to do. Not only would I get to church an hour before to pray up the service. I used to call it prayer conditioning. To pray up the service, find a room, find a corner and pray it through. But I would also watch to see where the visitors were sitting. That's right. No job description. Didn't call me Minister Malcolm. Wasn't exhorter Malcolm. Just addicted to a feeling, a buzz. And I'd watched where the visitors were, especially if they were young men. And once I saw a young man I didn't recognize, I would maneuver myself to go and sit next to them. Hey, how you doing? Hey, my name's Wayne. What the? Nice to see you. I'm just going to make a friend while the service was going. Fully praying for this person and plotting that when the altar call comes, I'm going to invite this person to the altar and bring them to the altar. And so I'm bumping into people at the funeral who are telling me, you led me to Christ. Because you took me to the altar. I remember you sat next to me and asked me to come to the altar. Is it actually a surprise that that young man, that teenager, went on to become one of the youngest pastors of a of a great church and went on to become a bishop and went on to become an international convention speaker, TV personality, 30 books authored. Do you think it just sprung out of the... It didn't spring out of the air. It sprung out of an early addiction to playing my part and contributing to making the kingdom a success. That's where it comes from. Now, I am going to reach like crazy to try to find another generation of people who are addicted to the ministry. Woo! Addicted to the ministry. I'm going somewhere today. Your fivefold ministry. Are you ready for your fivefold ministry? Okay, so number one, every believer is called to minister to God in worship. Woo! Don't all shout. We know what that means, okay? So I'm going to say it again. Every believer is called to minister to God in worship. Worship is your first ministry. 
And if you're not worshiping all the other ministries and not really maximizing their effectiveness. I know we've got people that we say they are the ministers of worship. It's their job to worship. No, no, no. It's yours. And it's not just your job to worship on a Sunday. Do you know where worship, you know what worship really is? It is your 24-7 occupation to, to, to live in the, out, the attitude of gratitude, which is a spiritual altitude. You wake up in the morning and it's not good Lord, it's morning. It's good morning Lord. Difference, right? Some people wake up, good Lord, it's morning. Start fighting the alarm clock, smashing it. Hit the snooze button so many times it doesn't work anymore. This is your thing. But there are other people who wake up and say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. God has given me another opportunity. God has given me another day. And I am grateful for the day. Lord, I thank you for today. And it's people that live with a thank you. That's the spirit of worship. Whether you're eating a meal, thank you. Did you know that everyone didn't eat a meal today? Did you know that? Everyone's not going to eat a meal today. You're one of the fortunate few. You're actually one of the top five percent of people on planet earth that predictably are going to have three meals a day most people don't have that so just being grateful for the food on your table the clothes on your back the people in your life the breath in your body the strength that you feel living this attitude of gratitude where thank you jesus thank you lord thank you god god i'm grateful that is the spirit of worship that when you bring that spirit to a house of worship People don't have to prime you and pump you and pull you and try to get something out of you that is not already inside of you. Actually, my friends, true worship, true worship is not something that a band induces into your life. It's something that a band recognizes has already existed and it connects with you. That is your worship, worship, worship. To God is your first ministry. Can I hear an amen? amen? Lift your hands up to the Father right now. Just for a minute in your own language, your own words, your own way, I'm going to ask one of my keyboard players to come back and support me here today. I want you to begin to thank Jesus for every good thing in your life, every good person, your body, your, your physical strength in your body. Some say, but I got pain in my body, but can you walk? Give him praise for that. Whatever it is, there is a good side to it. You need to give God praise for it. Let's just begin to thank him for it right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In your own way. Some of you going to clap. Some of you going to whisper. Whatever it is, you need to be grateful because there's nothing more offensive than an ungrateful attitude. An ungrateful spirit. It blocks up. It blocks up your flow. You know what it's like. If you're being nice to someone and they're ungrateful, you don't want to carry on being nice, right? You wanna, you're looking for grateful people. You're attracted to grateful people. Did you know that? You do more for grateful people. You're attracted to them. And the Spirit of God is attracted to the atmosphere of, that is filled with gratitude. It's an altitude. It's a perspective. One more time, your hands lifted to the Father. I'm going to give you one minute to count your blessings and thank God for everything and everyone in your life, in your own sweet way. You don't have to make a load of noise, but you just need to get into the space. Father, I'm thanking you. I'm thanking you for the, for the people I love the people that love me. 
I thank you for the health in my body, the strength in my mind. I thank you for the gifts that you have given to me, the opportunities, the networks, the resources. God, I thank you for the hope, the vision, the strategies, everything, Lord, that you have made available to me. God, I thank you. I thank you for a peaceful night's sleep. I thank you for food. I thank you for drink. I thank you for a teamwork that makes the dream work. God, I'm grateful for everything and everyone because every good and perfect gift has come from my Father above. It has come from the Father of lights. Every, every good and perfect gift. And I'm grateful. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. You've been listening to a live sermon at ICANN Community Church. We hope that you feel inspired, informed, and empowered to take your life to the next level. We want to build a relationship with you, whether you attend ICC or not. Of course, we would love for you to visit or even to join. And if that's not possible, we can still stay in touch. Go to our website at www.icancommunitychurch.com and subscribe to our mailing list for updates on special events which may be coming to an area near you. Until next time, this is Bishop Wayne Malcolm saying God bless you.